So we're going to uh, talk about Caleb and Joshua today. We're going to look into the book of Numbers, where we find a story of promise, a story of exceptional faith and victory, a story about perspective. How many of you could use a little better perspective? A story about great obstacles and great opposition, a story of fulfillment of promise, a story of choice. We have a choice in all of this. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. A story of obedience. As children of God, it is very dear to the heart that we are obedient. I always say that that is the Lord's love language, which I don't like. It's not easy to be obedient, especially when he's saying the hard things. We want you to do these things, and he sees the end, so he's like, this is really good for you, and you're like, no, it's really not. It is. So it's a story about obedience and a story that I find parallels a lot of different situations in my life. So let's hop into the story in Numbers 13. Many of you know this story, right, of Caleb and Joshua. Joshua 13, verses 1 and 2. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. For each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. So I've read this story a bunch of times, and I'm a details girl. I love lists. I love checking off those little boxes. That makes me feel very good. And so when I read this story, I hear the details. Did you guys hear some details? So we heard these things. Send men to spy out the land. From each tribe, of pick, pick them, one from every tribe of their fathers, one leader among them. So if that was me and I was talking to God, I'd have out my pen and paper, and I'd be writing those down. Yep, got it. Send Send a leader, one from each tribe. Okay, God, I'm good, I got it. But let's not miss the very most important thing that God says here. Sandwiched between the details was a promise. Did you catch the promise? It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send the men into the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Did you catch that? In the middle of all these details is this promise. And I've read this story a million times, and I didn't see the promise right there in the middle of all the details. And that's one of the things that I do all the time. God's giving me these details. Okay, I'm going to raise the kids this way. We're going to teach them this way. We're going to do this. This is how we're going to navigate the season in the church, blah, 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 blah. And I forget the fact that God in the midst of it has promised me something way more important than the details. So when God speaks a promise, we need to remember that his promises are true. And sometimes we have to acknowledge that he's actually speaking a promise, right? Sometimes we don't even acknowledge the fact that there's a promise in there. So Moses begins to relay the message. Numbers 13, we're going to skip down to verse 17 and 20 through 20. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. What do you hear in that? A lot of details, right? You're going to do this. These are the things that you're going to look for and head out. So they do it. They go, and let's skip down to verse 26. Here's the report. 
So they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Listen to this next verse, verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. That's because he understood the promise of God. And I think we find this a lot of times. Everybody, culture, everybody at work, everybody in our neighborhood, sometimes even our families or other Christians with with good intentions are saying, you know, maybe you should just give up on your marriage. It's been pretty hard. Maybe you should just not believe that. I really don't know if that's going to happen. You have waited a really long time. You've done everything you could possibly do, right? And so that's what all the spies were saying. Yeah, it's, they're strong. The, the city is fortified. It, we can't get in there. There's all this stuff. There's all these people here. There's people in the south, and there's people in the north, and there's people here. It's true. But it did have milk and honey. They recognized that. But, but uh, Caleb was the only one. All right, we heard all that. Let's go. He understood that there was a promise and that it wasn't about what the opposition and the challenges were as much as it was about the God they served and the promise that he made. Amen? So do you guys think Caleb saw the giants? Do you think he saw all the people, the fortified city? Do you think he saw that there was going to be a struggle, that there could be a fight, that it could be hard? I think he did. I think he, just like everybody else, yeah, it's there. It's in black and white. It's right in front of me. That's, that's what I saw. But I think inside he knew the promise of God, and he knew that if God said it, God wasn't like, well, if you do these 20 things, then I'll probably give you the land. If you measure up, and if your armies are strong enough, and if you, no. He said, I am giving you the land. We often get tangled up in all the details. I don't have enough money. I, I haven't had that much experience. I'm the least person who would do that task. So-and-so would be much better than me. We get so tangled in all the details. We often talk ourselves out of it before we ever even get a chance to tell anyone that God gave us a promise, right? So the giants were the obstacles. So we all have these giants. So first of all, we have to recognize what is the promise that God has given you? He's probably given you lots of promises. But maybe this morning, maybe think of one. And maybe you're going, I don't know if he's given me a promise. Maybe it's been a long time and you've given up, and so you don't remember the promise. I've been there. Everything looks so dark. You're like, I've, if he did, I don't know what it was. And if he did, it surely isn't going to happen. Look at this situation. I've been there. But it doesn't stop the fact that he did give a promise. He is full of promises. 
So when I get to that place and I get discouraged, I get out my Bible. It is so full of the promises of God. It might not be, Kara, take this job down the street promise, but it promises me life and life more abundant. It promises me health. It promises me good. The Bible says that he only has good for us. You can go chapter, 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 New Testament, Old Testament, in the Psalms. It doesn't matter. Google promises of God. They're all over the place. And get your faith built up, and you start remembering who he is. It is not about who we are or aren't. It's about who he is, and that's what Caleb understood. He understood that there was a promise, and he understood that God gave the promise. You think if Joshua is like, hey, Caleb, we're going to take the land. I'm telling you. Okay. You might kind of believe it, but it's Joshua. Right? But when God gives a promise, that's powerful. So what if Jesus chose not to believe the promise that he was? He was tempted, right? In the book of Matthew, it talks about how Satan went and tempted him and told him that he wasn't who he was told he was and that he wasn't really going to get all of that and that God must, you know, must not been telling him the truth, that that wasn't true. He had a choice. He wasn't forced to do it. What if Jesus decided, you know, the giants are too big. It, it really is kind of crazy that I could save the whole world. I could be the savior of the world, right? I'm just a carpenter. What do I, what, what really can I do? I'm just one person. What if the devil's right? What if Satan is right? What if what he says is right? What if he started to doubt the very character of God? Because that is what the enemy came with, right? His character and the enemy and the and God's character, their identity and who they were, that's what he was attacking. So that's what he does with us. He attacks our identity and he attacks our character. And he says, God isn't who he says he is. And he says, and you surely can't do that. Right? Everyone around wanted to kill Jesus. They didn't believe that he was the son of God. Well, all these people around me want to kill me. That can't be God. These people are trying to shut me down. If it was really God, I, I could just have, I could just say whatever I wanted, and I could be in the temples, and I could do all this stuff because I'm the son of God. No. But don't we do that? If this was God, I wouldn't be broke. If God really was blessing me, then I would have got that promotion. If God really called me to this other state, he would have lined this all up, and when I arrived, it would have been all ready to go. I wouldn't have to look for a house and look for a job, whatever. Like, we all have our different situations, but isn't that what we do? Jesus had all the opposition. The spies and Caleb had all the opposition. Nothing looked like it was like, oh, that's so God. Everything's just rosy, and we just walk along, and it's difficult. There's challenges. There are giants. So when God speaks a promise, we need to respond with what? Just answer that in your heart for a second. When God gives you a promise— how should I respond? Not out of this is what you should do. Not out of this is the right thing to do. But out of a place of, okay, you're my heavenly father who loves me. Who has only good for me. Who sees the end. Who knows what's around that corner that I don't know. How should I respond to him? It doesn't mean you don't have questions. It doesn't mean that you don't see the giants. It just means, all right, Lord, I don't get it. I don't see it but I trust you. 
I trust you. That sounds like the craziest thing I've ever heard. Right? But I'm going to trust you because you are God and I am not. I love, I think every time during worship when I hear, who is this king? I sing it all the time. Who is this king? This king of glory. No one can compare. Who? Who is this king? It's in that heart that we respond to the Lord when he gives us a promise. Who is this king of glory that would call me by my name? That would say, hey, Kara, I have something for you to do. There's these people at your job who don't know me and they're hurting. Would you go? Would you go and tell them of the promise? Me? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We have to know who he is. How does that happen? That happens with time. That happens with circumstance. It happens by cultivating that relationship. It happens with reading the word and building your faith. The days that I'm down and out, I get out my word, even if I don't want to, and I sit my butt down and I read it because it encourages me and it reminds me of who he is. We are bombarded with distraction and discouragement, and the whole world is telling us at every turn, you can't start that business. You don't have any money. You can't have a good marriage. Your parents had a horrible marriage. So did your spouse. All of that, it just comes as, as a barrage. You're too young. You're too this. You're too that. But if we know who God is, that is what we stand on. You're right. I'm pretty lousy, but my God is so good. He only speaks truth. He only speaks life. He only has good for me. And then you can start believing the promise because it's not about us, guys. It's all about who he is. 1 John 1.5 says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. He does not punish. Do you know that? Jesus came and paid the price. God does not stick it to you. I can't tell you how many friends I tell that to all the time because they think they're being punished. You know, this happened to me and that happened to me. My husband's cheating on me and I lost my job and my kids treat me like... And I'm like, you know what? I'm really sorry about that. But God is not doing that to you. God does not punish us. He loves us and he is for us. Isaiah 40, 28 says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor grows weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Who can know this king of glory? And he wants to use us, guys. It's all in his word. We are the ones. If we know him, we are his children. And he says, go. Go to the nations. Go to the neighborhoods. Declare his goodness. Of course he has promise for us. James 1, 16 and 17. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. It's him. 
He is wonderful. He is good. Proverbs 35, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. He is our shield. The beauty in all this, you guys, he gives the promise. He fulfills the promise. He gives us the strength to do the promise. He, 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 he. Do we have a choice? Yes. Do we play a part? Yes. Did the spies have to go spy out the land? Did they have to gather the troops and go? Did they have to do something? Yes. But before all that, they had to believe that there was a promise. And they had to believe in the promise giver. So yes, when he asks you to move to another state because he's calling you to do something, that's kind of crazy. You pray, you get confirmation, you seek God, and when you're sure that you're sure that it's a promise, you go. You go. It could be the smallest thing or the biggest thing. Sometimes we're waiting for that big thing, and God's like, today I promise you joy. And then something happens, and you're like, ah, this stupid day, I don't have joy. But in that moment, you can go, nope, God gave me joy. I'm not going to receive that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to be angry. I'm going to choose joy because that's his promise for me today. And we have that choice, right? My famous quote for myself, not because anyone's listening, but just because, you know, it's, it's my quote for me. We don't get to pick the seasons, but we do get to pick how we respond. We don't get to pick what God or what life does to us or happens to us, but we do get to choose how we respond and what we believe in those things, Right? Caleb did get to choose. He could be like everyone else and be like, yep, too hard. Too many giants. This is crazy. And he was like, let's go. God said, let's do it. Who were the two people that walked into that promised land 40 years later? Caleb and Joshua, the ones who believed the promise. The other people did not. They did not. So are you like the spy? Or are you like Caleb? Here's what the spies look like. They only see the obstacles. They quickly forget the promises of God. They allow the situation to be bigger than God. They only see through their little bitty understanding. They're not allowing God to fully move and have his way. They're taking control. Right? They are denying the sovereignty of God. Ouch. I've been a spy. I've been that guy. Yeah, too big, too hard. Years ago, before we pastored this church, we were pastoring at another church, but we weren't the lead pastors, and God began to work on my heart that I was going to be a pastor's wife of the church. And I'm like, no, no, no thank you. That's hard. People judge you. They're watching you. No thank you. I'm good. And I heard the promise. And I was like, nope, too hard, too big, too much. No, thank you. And God began to work on my heart. And he began to deal with the fears and insecurities and things that were my issue. And there was one day in worship, we were in Florida at this revival. 
And I just sat there, and all this stuff is going on. People are worshiping and singing, and I'm just in my seat, head between my knees, bawling like a baby for about 45 minutes to an hour probably. I can't tell you what God did that day. I can't tell you what he said. But I knew that when I got off of that chair, I was different, that God had changed my heart because I had all these issues and all these reasons of why I couldn't do that. That promise was too much. I didn't want that promise. But God saw the end. And I'm still a work of progress, guys. But there's a promise there. And so when God gives you a promise, sometimes we don't like it. We're like, I want a different promise. I want Marie's promise. Can can I cash it in for something a little different? But you will only be happiest and most fulfilled when you're doing that promise. Because that's what he's given for you. He knows. He He knows it all. So are we like the spies or are we like Caleb who believe? We respond in faith. We activate and apply the truth. We align ourselves with him. Yes, Lord. If that's your will, yes, God. I agree with that. We glorify God. We give him room to move. All right, I don't understand it, but I say yes, and I'm going to give you room to move. We receive clarity and gain perspective. When Caleb said that, he didn't see all the opposition So he was able to lead. He was able to go with a different perspective. This is what God said. You think of David and Goliath. (laughs) Everyone else sees this big giant. And David's like, but my God is awesome. That's what he saw. He didn't see that big Goliath like the way, I mean, he saw him. But he didn't see him as the way everyone else did. Petrified and terrified. He's huge. He's this big mammoth. Like, he's like, but my God is awesome. What's the problem? Right? And often, guys, it's choosing relationship with him. It's saying, not my way, not my will, but your will be done. I was listening to a sermon by TK. He's one of uh, the pastors at Redemption City in Westminster, and he was telling this story about this promise that God had given him about his dad being saved. TK didn't get saved until he was in his 20s. And he tells stories. He was a wild man. And his dad, he calls him a savage, which I think is hilarious because my son always says that word right now. And I'm like, his dad was like a complete savage, like just crazy stories, right? So TK's telling the story, and he's like, I prayed. I got this promise that he was going to be saved. All these years, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed. He's like, I told him about Jesus so many times. And I just, he said he got to the point where he was like, my dad's never going to get saved. Like, it's never going to happen. He just couldn't see it. He couldn't see it. So his dad comes to church. He preaches his message. At the end, he casts out the net and gives a call to salvation, right? So he gives the call to salvation, and his dad raises his hand. And TK instantly thinks, he didn't hear me right. So he continues again and repeats the whole thing, casts the net out again, gives another salvation message, and his dad raises his hand again. The promise of God that he gave him however many years back was right in front of him. And because he had talked himself out of it for so many years, he couldn't even see the very promise right in front of him. And that's a guy who loves Jesus, serving him, pastoring, right? We're all guilty of not seeing the very promise or losing hope because it's too big, it's too hard. My dad's such a savage, there's no way. But he is true to his word. He's going to fulfill his promise. Amen? 
Mark 10, 27 says, But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but with God. For with God all things are possible. Would you mind standing with me tonight, or this morning? <laughs> In thinking of promise, I'm constantly reminding, reminded of all the Bible stories. You look at Job. At the beginning of the book, he has everything. He has cattle. He has kids galore. He has all this stuff. He has this big house and all this land. And everyone's like, oh, Job has it all. And in a very short time, he lost everything. He had nothing. And everybody counseling him was like, well, you probably did all these wrong things, and you're probably just a sinner, and you probably screwed it all up. And then he remembered. He remembered who God was. And in the end, he had more cattle and even more family and all the things than he did at the beginning because he remembered who his God was. You think about Noah and the promise that he'd given Noah. And I think about him on that boat. Like, I, I gave everything. I built this boat. I loaded up my family. People in the town think I'm crazy. And then the rain begins to come. And so I imagine me going, okay, his promise is coming, but the rain kept coming. And can you imagine the devastation that he felt, the weight of the fact that all humanity was lost. All that was left was him and his family and these animals the weight of what that must have been like on his shoulders to look out and to hear there's nothing but rain. It's all gone. Is this really your promise, God? But it was his promise. He was faithful. I think of Mary as a teenager. He picked me to carry this babe. What responsibility, what promise. We don't get to say, God, I want to do this job, or I want to have that promise. What we do get to do is, yes, God, I'm yours. I say yes. I say yes. The promises of God are always good. We read the scriptures. They're only good. They only come from him. Each one of these people had a promise from the Lord. They each had something that God wanted them to do and to experience and to be blessed by. It's often we get to do it, but we also get to be blessed by it, right? We get to go out and do these things, but it also is a blessing to us. And guys, he knows the desires of our hearts. When he wanted me to pastor, I was like, yeah, I love it. I love people. I love, I love it. It doesn't mean that it's always easy. It doesn't mean that I always, I'm like, woohoo, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's one of the promises. And guys, I have plenty of promises that I'm pondering right now, that I'm preaching to myself going, why'd you lay that one down? What if that one's really good too? What if that was God? What are those dreams in your heart? Is it starting a company? Is it picking up an instrument? Is it leading people to the Lord? Is it working with kids? There could be a million things, guys. I couldn't possibly throw them all out. That's something that you have to get alone with God and say, Lord, what are those promises? And then it takes faith and action. 